0: I have done a number of episodes on the impact of COVID-19 on various aspects of global affairs, but none has really shocked me more than this episode today. Barbara Sayita is a nurse with Doctors Without Borders who specializes in vaccination campaigns, primarily in poorer countries. She tells me that because of supply chain interruptions, a number of countries are just running out of routine childhood vaccinations. This includes vaccines for measles, polio, and the all-important pentavalent vaccine that protects against five common diseases. According to UNICEF, the provision of routine immunization services is substantially hindered right now because of COVID-19 in at least 68 countries and is likely to affect some 80 million children under the age of one. And what is so alarming about the interruption of routine childhood vaccinations is that there is a direct correlation between mass immunization and avoiding mass death. A recent modeling study looked at a six-month period in 2020 and estimated that uninterrupted childhood vaccines in Africa could prevent the deaths of some 715,000 children before they reach the age of five. But because of COVID, there are interruptions right now. Barbara Saita explains what groups like MSF are doing to continue vaccination campaigns in the face of COVID-19. She also explains some of the broader social implications of when children miss their routine vaccinations and what countries are most at risk of vaccine stockouts right now. We kick off with a discussion of how vaccine campaigns generally operate in a developing country with poor infrastructure before having a broader conversation about the impact of COVID-19 on the provision of routine childhood vaccinations. Needless to say, this is a very important story, one that I think is sadly underreported, at least here in the West, and I'm glad to bring it to you. A couple of quick notes before we start. In the coming weeks and months, I will be hosting a number of live tapings of the podcast, virtual of course, uh, that will include some audience participation. I'll announce these as they come up, but the best way to both access the registration links and be apprised of the schedule is just by signing up for my email list. And I'll post a link to the sign up form in the description field of this podcast episode. So if you're listening on your phone right now, uh, you can just sign up for that email list with a couple of clicks. You can also go to Globaldispatchespodcast and sign up there. Also, the bonus episode I've posted this week for premium subscribers is my conversation with development economist Owen Barter. In these bonus episodes, individuals who have led interesting lives and careers in world affairs share with me their life story, and that includes the big events in which their life and career intersected. In this case, Owen grew up in Ethiopia, where his father was the British ambassador during the height of the famine, and Owen was later an advisor to Nelson Mandela in the years following apartheid. It was a fascinating conversation. To unlock that episode and dozens of other conversations with people who have led interesting careers and lives in foreign policy, just go to patreon.com globaldispatches global dispatches. Thank you. All right, now here is my conversation with Barbara Zaita, vaccine medical advisor for MSF Doctors Without Borders. When I take my kids to my pediatrician and they get their vaccines there, you're going to the communities, right? We going. And, and, and when you go to the communities, I mean, it's, it's sort of like an event, right? You gather as many people as possible in a space and distribute the vaccines.
1: Exactly. But before we do that, that is what you do the day of the vaccination campaign. But before that, you have, you can have two or three weeks or sometime even more of preparing, uh, for that event. Like before, you know, uh, you even vaccine the first child, uh, you have to, you know, decide uh, where you are going to vaccinate, meaning where is the the outbreaks uh, have started. So you normally tend to, you know, try to choose the best place to vaccinate it because the, it's there that the majority of cases are coming. So you want to vaccine that area as soon as possible to try to contain because that's what we try to do with vaccination campaign during outbreaks is to contain the spread. So, you have to think very well about your strategy, especially when you know that reaching those children will be very hard and you want to use your resources, you know, as, you know, at, at the best, like uh, more efficiently as possible. And, and you think, you know, a place uh, that doesn't have roads, uh, doesn't have airports, and you need to reach that place. So you have to send, you know, maybe uh, twenty or uh, refrigerator, a ten freezer, because you know, vaccine. There is a trick. Vaccines are amazing, but vaccines have to be kept in cold chain, meaning that vaccine always have to be in a in a temperature between two and eight uh, degrees. Uh, otherwise, uh, you know, like their potency and their ability to protect children. Uh, can be compromised so you have to keep those vaccine consistently in cold chain in temperature that can reach a you know 40 degrees easily and you have to do that from start to uh you know from the beginning to uh until you reach a child
0: so basically you you plan these logistics for several weeks before a campaign and that campaign say lasts you know like a few days right and then the goal is to reach as many people in that few days as possible. And, you know, of course, necessarily that means a lot of human interaction. Social distancing, presumably, is not possible in this style of vaccination campaign, a style that is common in places like the DRC and other places in sub-Saharan Africa, where you have a limited period of time to reach as many people as possible because of all the logistic challenges that you described
1: exactly and uh, i love that you say presumably because of course uh, you know like we can adapt and change the way we do vaccination campaign or even vaccination
0: yeah so so that's my question so you know we know that these vaccines and vaccinations routine childhood vaccinations save lives millions of lives each year um how is this current pandemic covid-19 impacting your ability to, you know, overcome and mount the, you know, immense logistical, you know, operations that it takes to kind of do both outbreak containment, say there's a measles outbreak somewhere, but also just routine childhood vaccinations that also save lives. How is this current pandemic impacting your work?
1: Immensely, Mark. is impacting <laughs> our work immensely because you know um, the implementing uh, uh, prevent the preventing measure uh, that are so important uh, um, to reduce the spread of COVID are also uh, giving us even more hard time um, to do our work to do routine immunization. So just to give you an example, like to vaccine children, you need to transport the vaccine to children isn't it and transportation is start to become uh real challenges for us uh um and the reason is that uh because there there are um uh, like ban or um how can I say that? Because yeah, like travel bans, restrictions. Travel ban. Yeah, like yeah, shelter at like, home. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Because there are like travel ban and restriction uh, is impossible. For example, for organization like UNICEF to transport vaccine into. The countries and there are many countries that are at risk of stockout uh, of vaccine, uh, and the situation is so bad that at the beginning of these months, actually, uh, UNICEF has released um, a brief notes and in these brief notes they just said, "Look, in the last uh, months or so uh, there is a reduction there has been a reduction of seventy to eighty percent. Uh, of planet vaccine shipment to country, and we know that many countries like w- will pretty soon get out of stock of those vaccines and, and the problem is uh, that there is a dramatic decline of commercial flight uh, and even when you can find some of the flights, the costs uh, have skyrocketed, so it's becoming very hard to get vaccine into the country. And once they reach the country, you know, work ha- doesn't stop there. After you have to uh, to send those vaccines from any city, normally the capital of that country, to every single health post or health center that delivers vaccination. And that is, you know, the extra burden that you have too. So transportation, it's definitely one of the challenges that we So have.
0: so. That's, that's incredible. So UNICEF recently said that it is unable to ship childhood vaccines to places that it normally would just because there aren't you know, there isn't space, there are no commercial flights that it would normally ship this stuff on.
1: Exactly, exactly. So,
0: like, 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 where is this happening? Could could you give me a, do you know a specific country that this is happening?
1: Absolutely. One country, for example, that I can uh, speak of is Chad. So, Chad... uh, has uh, a problem of vaccine <laughs> um, uh, stock out. By June, apparently, they will be out of vaccines such as pentavalent, uh, polio, meningitis vaccine, and many others. And the problem was uh, uh, we have the vaccine, but the vaccine were stuck in Paris uh, the area, uh, the Charles de Gaulle airport in Paris and they could not, you know, transport those vaccines because, uh, there are, they were not enough, you know, there were no flight and also the cost to transport those vaccines, especially when there are not like huge quantity, like there are like a thousand of doses they needed to transport in Chad, but were not millions. So, you know, like also like, uh, to book a charter fly for a few thousand doses compared to million, also you have to think about the cost, mm. isn't it? So uh, they had this problem to transport the vaccine uh, in Chad, but, you know, MSF, Doctor Without Borders, so we work in Chad and we have, you know, aeroplane that we use to transport like vaccine but other medical equipment so we just uh, you know got in contact and try to help each other so i believe that something um, that uh, can be very important on the way we we work during this uh, pandemic is also uh, how we support and collaborate uh, with each other among organization you know the uh, the work on the low-income countries and and deliver vaccine. So uh, that is one of the examples of the difficulty that, you know, um, Mm -hmm.
0: Well, even in places that aren't as close to a stockout like Chad seems to be, um, I have to imagine, again, for all the reasons you just described, that, you know, these even routine immunizations are not happening at the scale and pace that they normally would be because of social distancing requirements. And I don't know, that sort of seems to me to kind of bring up this. And I think you put it in in, in your article, kind of like a devil's choice. Um, do you maintain social distancing and not do the massive immunization campaigns and uh, put children at risks of developing diseases that they otherwise wouldn't, or do you you go ahead and pursue these vaccination campaigns if you're able to, uh, but potentially expose people to COVID-19?
1: There is a a third option. You can do that. You can protect children from vaccine-preventable disease, and at the same time, making sure that you protect them and their caregiver from uh, covid exposure and this uh, can be done by like for example changing the vaccination setup Like normally, you know, you tend to vaccine inside uh, um, a health center, a clinic inside a structure. But what if instead to do that, you decide uh, to do anything in a more open and ventilated place, like uh, outside, for example. That will also allow you uh, to have more space between people that are waiting for children to be vaccinated. You can ask ask. Uh, through communication and health promotion you can ask the community to come to the vaccination uh, site uh, with just one of their you know caregiver so you ask one person maybe to bring more than a child so you don't you don't have you know many adults uh, you don't have just one child and one adult so you can maybe one adults can bring more than a child um you can ask them to come in certain Hour of the day, so that you have a group of people that you can safely, you know, um, have uh, spaced uh, uh, between them. Um, you can also, you know, decide to, um, uh, yeah. Uh, well, well, I mean, even yes. if you
0: take all those measures, though, yes. it seems it's you're still it's still like a slower operation than what typically would happen. You're, you're reaching fewer people in a longer period of time. Um, and again, it, just, it, it, yeah, it seems to be the, the new reality we're all living with, but it just seems that it is like particularly onerous uh, in this situation.
1: Yes, it is, but it will be nothing compared to what we will have to face uh, post-COVID if we don't keep up with the immunization. There will be nothing compared. Like if we let the immunization ca- gap to widen uh, more, and more, like what we will have to face once the pandemic is over will be 1,000 times worse than that. And wait, wait, wait. In term Can you of- explain
0: that? So, yes. so I know there's been studies and, and modeling, right, to suggest um, if there is a significant gap in routine uh, childhood immunizations, what will result from that?
1: Exactly, like uh, so now, just to you just said that there are like um, many modeling studies uh, that have been done just to give us uh, an idea of what will happen if we don't keep up with immunization, and one of the study that I mentioned in my blog and uh, that was very interesting um, uh, just showed that You know, one of the case scenario they were, you know, running is that what if we vaccine for, you know, the next uh, six months? Uh, and even during this you know the pandemic even do even though will be as hard as i just described you what if we still keeping or uh, vaccinating during this year for six months what will happen which effects which impact will have and they just you know model that and they um they they estimated that by continuing immunization we could prevent more than 700,000 deaths in children uh, mostly in their you know before their you know 5 years old children so they just estimated that keeping vaccination alive for six months period during 2020 will result in preventing more than 700,000 deaths in children for the next five years. Because, you know, when you vaccine a child today, you protect them, you know, for many disease for years to come. It's not just something that you protect them now for one day or months. You can protect them sometime for their, their whole life.
0: That statistic so. is is absolutely fascinating to me. So so six months of uninterrupted uh, routine vaccinations will save over seven hundred fifty thousand lives of children. Incidentally, you know, just uh, earlier this month, uh, the World Health Organization released a study um, modeling potential COVID nineteen deaths in Africa and said as many as one hundred ninety thousand. Uh, people could die from COVID-19. And just like the, again, like comparing those numbers is, is just striking. And also, I think a testament to the impact of these kinds of routine childhood immunizations, but childhood immunizations that you're already saying are currently being interrupted. So we're going presumably to see a higher death toll in the years to come, right?
1: exactly exactly in fact uh, just uh, last month uh, the measles and rubella initiative uh, it's this initiative that you know has the call the elimination of measles and rubella which are two really deadly disease as we know uh, they just release, release also a brief note in which uh, they said look uh in twenty-four countries already have postponed or you know vaccination campaign, measles vaccination campaign. By the end of the year, probably other 10, 13 countries uh will stop implementation of vaccination campaign that we need to prevent outbreak of measles and rubella. And by doing that they will we will have more than one hundred and seventeen million children that will miss vaccination, measles vaccination because of that. And if we miss them now, Mark, we have to catch up them later.
0: So, I mean, it sounds like there's just like a coming tsunami. Um, Like, what do we know about the broader social impact of this kind of increasing child mortality I um, mean you know obviously it's an individual tragedy for every child and it's a, a health crisis are there other sort of broader social and political implications of you know of, of sort of stopping or missing these kinds of routine childhood vaccinations
1: one of the implication thank you for asking this question because uh, you actually remind me that uh, last week I was uh, talking with the Samawa our team in the field and they told me and this was if i'm not wrong in uh, drc congo um that you know parents during one of the uh, vaccination section session that they had um you know few parents were were asking the team like why you are you know like concentrating so much in COVID. It's not that they didn't understand that, that go COVID, you know, uh, is dangerous, but they said, you know, we have more, we see our children die more often than of measles and other disease. Why all this attention and these, you know, resources on COVID when we see our children dying of other disease. And when I say that, Mark, I don't want to pity one disease against the other. I hope you understand that. It's just to give also the scale of what, you know, community sees their own children die of um, and during, you know, many years and now seeing, you know, all these Resources diverted uh, to COVID. Sometimes also is like it's hard for us to explain why why one and the other and not both, because both are causing uh, death. And uh, we know that uh, vaccine preventable disease will continue the ripple effect of not vaccinating today. We will feel it for years. Mark, honestly.
0: Um, so, so earlier you you mentioned. Chad, as a country that you're particularly concerned for, uh, is there another place or country that you might cite where that are sort of facing these immense challenges in terms of vaccination campaigns, whether or not, whether it means facing stockhouse or other issues? Um, is there another place that you might cite an example? You might you might cite.
1: So one of the places where we are very worried about that is uh, uh, DRC Congo. Um, in the last uh, like year or so, there has been uh, like a surge of measles, uh, and which has led on. Ongoing uh, measles outbreaks, especially in countries like Congo. To give you like an example, in 2019, there were more than 300,000 reported cases of measles. In DRC Congo only, and that's led also our you know um, more than six thousand uh, people dying and mostly children under five in Congo because of measles. so you have already a country that has ongoing outbreak of measles um, and now we cannot even keep in, you know, of vaccinating children to protect them
0: um- Lastly, I mean, is there anything else that you want to impart or share uh, before we wrap up? Is there anything else you might want to highlight,
1: uh, Mark? One of the things that I've been, uh, we have been monitoring with the team. It's uh, you know, like the different causes or or challenges uh, of vaccinating children, and probably one that we hear in less is the this trust and rumor um around routine uh, um, immunization now and i think that is that is very dangerous just to give you an example um you know we hear that uh, Parents, they don't want to bring children to the vaccination, um, days because they are the fear that we will inject children with the, the COVID virus or that we will inject them with a, you know, uh, a vaccine that haven't been s- yet tested. Um, they are the fear that we will take their children away if they have symptoms of COVID and so many again, you know, I have a long list of of rumors and worry that uh, that are going on you know in community and is for us is extremely important to address them as soon as possible with the community with the community leader because we need people still trusting in the health system and in the health structure because uh, is the same health system and the same health structure that eventually we will need to deliver COVID vaccine, their treatment and diagnostic. So we are in the undermine a system that we will need to continue it, to to take care of the community that we serve. So they can have a broader, you know, impact of what we, we think.
0: Oh, well, Barbara, thank you so much for your time. This was You're very welcome. helpful and frankly disturbing.
1: And frankly, yes, Mark. And I—I I, I mean, I, I usually end, some end some these in these shows
0: on some hopeful <laughs> Sorry, note, positive. but man, oh gosh, Ma-
1: Mark, I'm telling you, there is hope, and I always want, be like, human being, we human being are capable of the most amazing things. And yes, vaccinating children during COVID, it's hard, but you don't have idea of the people, how the effort the people are putting behind, making sure that we still can do that and keep everyone safe. There is a lot of potential and there is a lot of willingness to make this work for everybody to be safe and still not losing more children to vaccine-preventable disease. So there is a way. Is it hard? Yes. But, you know, those are not uh, easy times. And so if we have to play hard, we will. We will. There is a way to still vaccine children and make everybody safe. There is.
0: All right. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Barbara. And yeah, as I said at the outset, this conversation kind of stopped me in my tracks, unlike others I I have done. You know, I always kind of knew there was this link between preventing mass childhood deaths and vaccinations. I was not just at all clear the extent to which COVID-19 is really interrupting these routine childhood vaccinations, principally through just supply chain interruptions. The idea of stockouts in a place like Chad to me is, is frankly horrifying. Um, anyway, like I said, this is not an issue that's routinely covered in uh, the Western press, at least. So I'm very glad to bring the story to you. And as always, stay safe out there, everyone. Uh, if you're feeling like you want to reach out to me, I encourage it. You can use the contact button on globaldispatchespodcast.com. I, I love hearing from you. I know we're entering the long-term phase it seems of this uh of this lockdown i know most people are still stuck at home uh i mostly am still if you want to reach out not for anything just just don't hesitate to send me an email thank you and i'll see you next time bye